Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. Before we get to every touchdown from every game, it is my privilege and honor to shout out the Stinky Fantasy Football League. What up, boys? We are back, and y'all are back, I understand, for your 16th season. Dudes, that is impressive. I gotta think staying strong for 16 years for the Stinky League has a lot to do with Commissioner Booty running the league with energy. Something I know a thing or two about. Good job, Kamish. Um, look, before you guys get going, few shout outs here. Congratulations to the champ, Spross. I see you, Spross. You going back to back? What's the deal? Congrats on 2019, but Mahomes ain't sitting back resting on last year. You gotta get after it again. I wanna say a uh, special welcome to the league, Brent and Jay of StinkyCast, uh, CTO Steve, and Hall of Fame snub Joey Bags. Fellas, good to be with all of you. Um, shout out randomly to, to Stover and Gary and TJ, Schwartz, uh, PRB, Tucci. Uh, good to see Russ in attendance. Russ, good to see you in attendance. Not so much Crypto Frank. Troy! Troy is a witness tonight, boys. And to the best auctioneer, Barco, let's go. Let's get after it. Stinky League, I think I got everybody. Maybe I missed somebody. If I did, I apologize. I'm just fired up that we got ball back and that fantasy is back. You guys get after it in your 16th season. Have an awesome draft. Stack your lineups. And come see your boy September 13th for seven hours of commercial-free football in the Octobox and the Wishing Hour. See you, Stinky. Episode two of this stinky cast draft spectacular episode, and we are going to, as promised last week, get balls deep into everything that was the draft. We are going to review draft boards, talk matchups, so much to get into today. Brent, where shall we begin? Yeah, once again, the draft was was a big success. Thanks to everyone involved. Kamish Booty did a hell of a job getting everything together in, a, in such a crazy time with COVID going on. And, um, you know, the things we had leading up to it with Spross and arranging Barco, getting a kick-ass spread of Mission Barbecue. The food, once again, was on point. And the beverages, of course, were flowing. And, uh, you know, it started off with a, with a pretty big bang. And I have to, I have to hand it to Joey Bags once again, following up the success of Boston Scott last year with just an epic Scott Hansen cameo that that I replayed for everybody in the uh, in the intro just so we could all hear it again. Um, man, that was just fantastic. Amazing. I think uh, you know Scott got basically all the panties dropping and dongs flopping early on in the night. It was definitely an energized scene. I think everybody uh, was lit off of that. And then, uh, you know, Durazio would probably like to take credit for the first ever 
draft day name reveal, but if we all remember, my Frankie name last year beat him to the punch as we had the trailer intro and the logo, which debuted on draft night. But Durazio in Littlefinger form had to had to up the ante and try to one up me. He had the the full on PowerPoint, which was which was quite a hilarious addition. And of course, he had some props to hand out to to all in attendance. So definitely, I think that was was a huge success as well. Yeah, pre-draft. I mean, the energy was high right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the the, the props, and I think it was the first ever uh, ethnicity reveal at a draft. I, I think that 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 might be a first that that Durazio dropped on us with with the ancestry.com proof of Kamish Bubby. Oh, I mean Booby. Sorry, not Bubby. That's a Jewish thing, I think. Uh, so yeah, Kamish Booby. Um, being, you know, of Jewish heritage, that was that was the first for Stinky League. Yeah, I think, and you know, we're talking, we're, we're going to do some interviews this year again. I think maybe we should have the commission on early in the year. I know he's been, he would like to get on. He's been clamoring for an interview, and I think, you know, we we owe the commission that maybe potentially next week if his schedule can accommodate. But yeah, I'd like to follow up and just see how he's how he's coping with with learning like the truth about his heritage. Yeah, it really makes the uh, the curls that he has flowing right now make a lot of sense. So, uh, so a great job again, Steve Durazio, on that on that draft day team name reveal. Um, but I mean, one thing we haven't even started on yet, which we're gonna have to hit pretty hard, is, whew, man, bad load. Russ was on tilt from like 2:30 p.m. draft day to like 2:30 a.m. It was like. It was like 12 hours of full tilt Russ. Yeah, I mean, full blackout Russ seems more like it for uh, from about 2.30 at the pool. I'd say he probably blacked out somewhere around the time he spilled his fourth beverage poolside. It was something. I was, I was almost at a strong showing, but I don't think I would go that, that far. Uh, you know, like we, we started with the good and now we transitioned to the bad with Russ. I mean, bad load, Russ, indeed. I thought maybe there was probably like a running for four or five guys that wanted to knock him out, me being one of them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Schwarz gave a good effort. He, he knocked him down pretty good after, after some of his shenanigans that were going on during the draft. And, that, you know, Russ didn't really, uh, didn't really take that cue and just kind of kept moving through the, uh, through the blackout, bad, bad load. And, uh, and we all saw what happened on, uh, on the draft board. But we'll get to the draft part with actual player drafting later. But um, yeah, so I mean, another topic that was big going in was uh, Spross and the Zoom and the, and the technical aspect of that with working with Barco. And I got to say, I gotta, I'm going to have to give that like an A plus on how that went. I think that was handled really well and it, and, and it went off without a hitch. There was no real big debates about, well, Spross, is, you know, Spross, we didn't hear his bid, blah, blah, blah. That, w- that went off pretty well. Yeah, I thought that was very smooth. Uh, very, very well done, Barco. Hats off to you if you're listening to the cast. Fuck, of course you're listening. So uh, kudos to you. Um, I still don't think, uh, from a technical standpoint, I don't see like a future for more than one person being able to do this, to draft in this kind of way. And that's, again, only for an extreme scenario. But for this one time, I, I honestly, I don't think it could have possibly went any smoother. Yeah, absolutely. Hats off to the uh, CTO for making sure that the technical aspects went well. And uh, it was good to see Sparasa's face 
on the Zoom and be able to like kind of chat with him for a little bit, even though he couldn't be there. Agreed. So, you know, that leads us kind of into what we were talking about last episode about the mystery rules. And I kind of want to feel you out on what you thought maybe the best mystery rule. I know this is kind of a stinky category for the end of the year, but we sure. can kind of start the conversation at this point since the draft is fresh and all those rules are fresh in our mind. Did, did any really stand out to you? I know I have a couple that stood out to me. Uh, you know, I got to be honest. I, I When when it, it was first read, the pirate hook R rule, um, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't that into it at the moment that it was read, but it gradually grew on me throughout the night. And when I've seen some footage of Schwarz in the hat, I, I, it just, it just sticks with me. I think, and I believe that was Joey Baggs's rule. I think, it was. I think I would preliminarily here before, you know, we're still far away out from the stinky awards at the end of the year, but I think my favorite in the clubhouse right now would have to be the bags hook rule. Another one that's, I like that one too. That, that, that also grew on me after just here, just hearing Schwarz in the background doing the pirate thing. When you're trying to bid, it kind of broke the tension a little bit and gave gave a good little laugh. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, but also I thought that um, now you're going to have to refresh my memory because it's a little foggy, certain parts of it. And there was a lot going on, but was there a mystery rule that led to you having your face being painted like a cat? Correct. And I, I would like to bring that rule up as well because that was PRB's rule. So, I, you know, I thought, how could this guy top the mullet? Now, obviously, I think the mullet still stands above this rule, but, but a pretty strong attempt by PRB to follow up his strong mystery rule from last year. Anyone that uses the word Troy has to put on the, the kitty ears, have their, their whiskers painted on, and meow like a cat while doing a shot. <laughs> well, Pretty strong. I have video of it, so I mean, we, I sent that out, I believe, and it was uh, it was pretty great. So I would definitely put that one high in the running. I just think it's hilarious, though, that you know the mystery rule was kind of born out of uh, really just like giving PRB shit, and he ha- he's the one that the last two years who has kind of come up with some pretty good ones. Agreed. He's really embraced the mystery rule and has delivered two years in a row. So. The bar is set very high next year, PRB. Start thinking it over right now. So is there any other mystery rules you wanted to bring up or I think we can move on? Yeah, I think most of them were just kind of like your routine, run-of-the-mill kind of shot. Now, I, I think we're just going to go without saying the one that happened with Tucci. We'll just, we just won't even mention that on the cast. But we'll, have, do, we'll have to keep that one <laughs> off the air, I think. Correct. But I do want to give a shout-out to Tucci for being an amazing sport with that whole thing and the way that went down. Yeah, I, you know, nothing else really to be said about that. I think you handled that pretty well. Um, and I think Tucci handled it pretty well, too. I wasn't really around for it happening. I saw a glimpse of it. So, um, yeah, it was quite ridiculous for sure. Littlefinger, he's just a perpetual line stepper when it comes to pushing the boundaries. Absolutely. So I think I think I think we can we can incorporate Littlefinger line stepper into into his nickname this year. Exactly. Exactly. So there were some records broken at the draft um, that we should probably talk about. Uh, I mean, we touched on on Russ already, but we got I mean, because we're talking about records being broken, we got to swing back to the disaster that was his night. And uh, that was a record for most money spent before 930 p.m. on three players 
totaling ninety-two million. Brent, I, it's generous of you to say ninety-nine thirty. Uh, I think it was it was probably more like nine fifteen. I mean, I, I think it might have been forty-five minutes or less into the draft that this cat dropped basically his entire budget on three people. It was an absolute stunning just train wreck to watch and fold in person. I, I, we were all looking around the room like, are we, is this happening? Or is, are we just going to let this guy do 26 on Kamara too? <laughs> and it happened. It was, it was bizarre, man. I mean, like, I was definitely looking at people and making eye contact like, is this happening? Like, is he really doing this? And the thing that, like, was, was the icing on the cake was, like, he didn't stop there. I mean, there was like, there were bids coming in after the 92 million that were in like the definite overbid range that he got away with that were like, that were like in the six, five, he was just firing away after he was already at 92 million and had a max bid of, I believe it was, I think it hung around two and a half max bid for about, Oh, four hours. Yeah. Oh, minimum. I mean, it was two, it was literally his max bid two and a half right off the bat there in that first 45, 60 minutes. And then, I, you know, I know you want to talk about the overbidding. This guy, he did eventually overbid, but he tried to overbid essentially on every bid. Every time a player was called, he was penetrating his max bid every time. <laughs> penetrating. Yeah, I mean, so there was like a little, there was a little, um, you know, precursor to the day. And like pretty early in the day, I wasn't even at the pool yet. And Stover texted me that Russ has been drinking hard seltzers and hitting the pen all morning. And this was at like, oh, I don't know, 1230, 1 o'clock. My response to him was simply, he's fucked. And, and, and we saw what happened. He was pretty fucked. The harbinger of bad things to come for old Rusty. But that wasn't the only record. It was partially involving him but you know there was there was uh, about four other three other people or three other offenses involved it was an overbidding bonanza at the draft and it set the record for overbids at the draft which was previously i believe two and and then uh we we hit we hit the four mark at the draft this time. So four overbids on four different players. Yeah, Brent, hard to believe that four people went over. I mean that that is that's difficult to do. Uh, typically, you know, Russ. That, I mean, he was blackout drunk. That's not very hard to to imagine that happening. But to get four people kind of lose sight of their max bid in the same draft. I mean, pretty unprecedented. I I would. You know, if Joey Bags is listening to this this point in the show, go ahead and set that OU on the spreadsheet for next year at like two and a half, and I'm going under. Yeah, that that's going to have to be a, a big red flag going into next year. But uh, honestly, we said it was four overbids, but I think we got a little lenient towards the end because there Russ went over like at least like three three more times towards the end. There, it was probably a legit seven times. Yeah, I mean, Russ could realistically have like a hundred or less million in fab available at this time if we really wanted to, you know, penalize him for every potential overbid that he was making. Right, and then have like seven players that should have been drafted in the in the uh, in fab this week, which we'll get to later. Correct. So one more record, and it was Tucci 
breaking the record for amount of money spent on a defense, and I think it was six million, right? It was either six, maybe six and a hook, to be honest with you. I, I just remember throwing up and, and laughing hysterically at him after five. So I'm not sure how much higher it got after that. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you try and poach people's bids, you're going to get stuck paying six million for a D sometimes, you know? Yeah, he got, he got scorched on that one. And to be honest with you, I think now PRB got, I think it was the Steelers at like three and a half, which I am in love with the Steelers defense. I think Tucci, or I'm sorry, I think PRB has stolen the top D away from Tucci uh, with, with basically half as much as Tucci paid. Um, but I think, yeah, PRB might go back to back with number one defenses, but he paid a steep price. I was thinking I was going to get him for two. And he goes for three and a half, and that wasn't even remotely the highest paid defense. Incredible. Yeah, if there's one person that knows the value of the defense of the year, it's uh, PRB after having the Pats like last year, like you said. The Pats went for two and a half million, uh, just one below Pittsburgh. But I'd be willing to bet that Tucci's Niners D at six million, that they're not the top defense at the end of the year. 100% agree. All right, so that that does it for all of the records and really the draft night breakdown. Um, so, you know, I think at this point we're, we ran a little bit long in this segment, so I'll let you take this out. Sure, Brent. Uh, you know, we spoke, uh, you know, a lot about Russ here in, in the first block of the show. But, um, you know, just to go ahead and touch on him a little bit more, uh, it was an odd day and an odd night for Russell uh, I was so concerned with him, uh, Brent, that I actually uh, sent out our crack team of investigative journalists here at the Stinky Cast uh, to kind of get to the bottom of it. And look, as we know, Russ has been struggling for years in this league, and he thought he finally fixed the problem last year uh, when he came up all hyped on the Russ Genics pre-draft, during the draft. Unfortunately for him, what ensued was arguably the worst season ever, and then he skipped the banquet altogether. So this year, he had to step his game up to the next level. And honestly, it's a win-win for us here at the cast because we get a new sponsor out of it. But stay tuned after this brief word from Russ's new mystery drug because we have a lot to get to on Players Big Boards. that chronic low energy fatigue has been plaguing you in your life and fantasy league? Do you find you've been overcompensating for something in your pants region? Have all other supplements not quite hit the mark? Well, we have something for you. From the award-winning creators of Rustgenics comes the next revolutionary compound. If Rustgenics wasn't quite powerful enough, Mr. Little D's Energy Overcompensator is the miracle cure you have been searching for. Enhance your pants region and add an extra two to three inches overnight. You will be exploding with energy for hours, even after you black out. Warning, the makers of Mr. Little D's Energy Overcompensator are not responsible for total loss of inhibition spending or losing all of your money in record time and or trying to fight all of your friends. Mr. Little D's Energy Overcompensator, the man you always wanted to be, 
is just one scoop away. Welcome back in Stinky Nation. And many thanks to Mr. Little D's Energy Overcompensator for sponsoring the show and getting Russ to what will hopefully, you know, not be another toilet bowl championship this season. Only time will tell on that one. And as many of you know, I am naming Russell this year. So this new product's name will act as his team name and the logo will be following shortly by deadline. So hang tight, Ross. You'll get that logo shortly, my friend. Well, enough of that, Brent. Let's get right into it. Draft recap. Who shall we begin with? Well, I think after that amazing sponsor that we have this year, I think we're going to have to start off with Russ's team and just dive into what that looks like after all the all of the craziness that ensued with with his bonkers draft. Um, so let's just dive in and see what that looks like on paper. Coming out of the draft, we have Russ's team. Now, you know, I took a look at it and I see a path to winning games with with what he's compiled here. You know, I I've ma- I make fun of him uh, significantly at times, but I kind of like the strategy. Now, if he if he had cut it, if he did not do the Kamara thing. I would have absolutely loved what he did with going with two huge guns, maybe the two top fantasy positional players in in the league this year. Uh, Really like Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. You throw in Kamara, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're going to get around 60-ish from them a game. I I think it's all going to hinge on Matt Stafford, who, as we all know, I had last year, and I loved. He was uh, top three points per game in fantasy football when he went out with the injury not to return last year. So if you're getting around 26 to 30 a game from Stafford to complement those three guys, I mean, you're really only talking about needing about 20 points from the rest of your squad weekly uh, from whatever, four or five positions that, that will make him essentially competitive in every single game. So I, honestly, I think this might be a winning combination for us. Although if it's me, I'm looking to offload one of those running backs to try to fill out my depth. Yeah, he's definitely in a world of hurt at tight end and wide receiver. I do like the Paris Campbell stash he has there, but that's more like a stash. Probably not like a necessarily a starter right out of the gate. So he's going to have to hit the fab market pretty hard and pretty early. And, you know, he cannot bid on Will Fuller. Um, so, you, you know, his, his options are a little bit more limited when it comes to finding a, a starting receiver in fab. He's going to have to be hitting it week one, week two week three to try and find that that wide receiver depth that he does not currently have on his roster. But like you said, it's going to be tough going against those running backs week to week. He just um, he just have to hope that Stafford can uh, can hold up uh, for a full season. He tends to get dinged up at his age and he's going to have to really, really do some hard work in the wide receiver tight end market. Agreed. And depth depth for that matter. I mean, let's not even talk. Let's not even talk about whether he can withstand an injury or not. Agreed. And look, any dumb idiot could just bid the most money on the top two guys. Like we're not, I'm not going to sit here and like profusely praise Russ, but this is the best draft I've seen him have in my entire tenure in this, in this league. So maybe he should just get hyped up on whatever mystery drugs he's doing, get blackout drunk and just, go balls to the wall and spend, you know, 92% of your budget in the first hour. 
Yeah, this this running back stack that he has is eerily reminiscent of the two quarterback stack that he had when he had Brady and uh, in Rodgers in their prime. Uh, you know, just like add that to the to the to the wall of shame. Exactly. Well, we'll see how it turns out. I unfortunately get him first week. I'm a little nervous to go against that three headed monster. So I think at this point we can move on to Mark Spross's draft. We talked a lot about that in the first episode about how we weren't sure how it was going to go for him uh, drafting remotely. And, you know, I thought it went pretty well. So the result now is Spross's team, which honestly, I think it looks pretty good on paper. He snagged a couple guys that I was really looking to get. Um, I won't, I won't name any names, but um yeah, he, I think he put together a pretty nice roster. He got some good values. So he is incredibly deep, I think, uh, at wide receiver. I love his wide receivers. Um, I think yeah, he's the two flex spots. He's going to be a very, very strong performer at each of those. He's got you know a routine competitor for top five in, in fantasy quarterback, Matt Ryan. We'll see if, if his luck runs out this year with that pick. Absolutely hate his running backs. Uh, he, he got them both at good values, but could not like them any less. So, and I, I think, you know, a staple for stinky success is a strong running game. Uh, he had arguably the best running game in the league last year, which propelled him to the championship, as we all know. Uh, hate his running backs this year. But can he kind of overcompensate with, with his wide receiver depth? Only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, Melvin Gordon and David Johnson are not necessarily arrow-pointing-up kind of guys right now in fantasy, but they have the, they have the pedigree. They could, they could outperform their value, which was, I think, 10.5 for Gordon and 9.5 for David Johnson. So Very good some, values. There, there's some potential if those guys kind of uh, you know, regain their old form and, and, and take the keys to the offense like they have in the past, then you know, they, that could really propel him into a much better spot than uh, – then you see him on paper. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll say Spross was a little reactionary. I don't know if that was his, maybe that was his strategy he had coming in and maybe it was somewhat because of the, of the technical side of it. I'm not sure, but he seemed to be a little, little slow out of the gates reactionary, but that played in to, to kind of what he was doing with, which is I think going for overall depth, he got a lot of great value on that squad. And, you know, overall, I, I think I could see a playoff team in, in that roster for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we talked about with his running backs there, um, I think part of what happened in the, in the whole league with running backs is that what um, Russ pulled with, with, the, uh, with the running back situation, it kind of, it kind of tilted everything around to every, everyone's draft boards and, and made everyone's draft even that more just bizarre. Agreed. I think at this point we can move on to another big story at the draft, and that was – the the just not snake it wasn't a snake it was like a rat or, or some other rodent creature sitting over there in the corner Tucci and <laughs> how he was just poaching players who he didn't even he didn't even know their names half the time yeah I mean I if we're looking at Tucci's board are we it, you mean aka Stover uh Durazio and Brent's board is that is that what you wanted because he stole all of your guys players uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was hard to watch, honestly. I, and he doubled down this year. I mean, we all have called Tucci out in the past for deploying that strategy. Uh, but you know, it was, he really committed this year to it. I, I honestly, I don't think he drafted a single player on it, on his team for real. I think he was just stealing other people's. 
Yeah, he came with literally no research, no nothing. He had like a little yellow piece of paper where he probably wrote, these are the people whose drafts I'm just going to poach and just bid them up when they seem interested in a player. And that seems to be his little rat. He's like that little that little pizza rat you see in New York. You know what I mean? Like he's a little rat that's just like dragging the, the piece of pizza around. That's that's Tucci at the draft. He's that's just, his board. The pizza he, is his entire board. The pizza is board. He's just he's just sitting there like a little rat with his rat face just, just <laughs> pulling the pizza around. Ah. Uh. Wow, but, I love but, it. I mean, so if we look at his team and how it turned out, I mean, we'll probably like it because those are the players that, uh, you know, right. we, we had final bids on until he snuck in there with the little rat noise. And, um, you know, I will say, though, I don't love his team. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones as his starting quarterback, whether it be, you know, Ben could have a good year if he can stay on the field. Danny Dimes has a tough schedule to start the year. He plays that Pittsburgh defense you talked about. That could be the, one of the defenses of the year opening mm-hmm. week. We'll see if he has the balls to start him. Then he, you know, then he goes along and drafts uh, two running backs on the Rams that didn't even get the starting nod week one. Um, you know, Cam Makers will probably have the talent to take over, but not to start the year. He doesn't. Yeah. And then, I, I, and then right. after that, I, you know, he does have some receiver depth. He might have to trade one to uh, to bolster his running backs because he didn't really um, get any depth there. I don't even think he has a backup running back outside of the, the Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson. I think Henderson's hurt. But outside of Henderson as a backup running back, he's got nada. Um, so, you know, he's going to he's gonna have to try and work one of those receivers into a, into a running back probably because he's going to – not know which receiver on his roster to start from week to week because he doesn't even know their names. Agreed. I'm, I'm looking at his, he's obviously, I'm um, looking at his matchup this week. He's obviously not set his matchup. Um, he, he does have quite a lot of receiver depth here. I, I, I do, I do like a number of these receivers. Um, but yeah, this, this spells certain doom and total sheer headaches every single week. Uh, trying to jostle between, you know, which three to four guys do you want to start? Meanwhile, uh, yeah, absolutely hate that running back situation that he's inadvertently plunged himself into on the Rams. So, yeah, I, I would most certainly look to see uh, one or two of these these receivers traded here in in, in probably short order. Uh, maybe even we get another trade in here before week one. We did get a trade, so we can jump to that real quick and talk about how PRB has already unloaded James White, who he did not like drafting. He was he was uh, he he. I think he called out James White at like a pretty decent number, and the room ten. fell silent. It was ten, and yeah. then it, it was crickets in in that room for the like probably the first time all night. No one made a peep, and uh, and he got James White. But look at that, he unloaded him to. To Stover um, for Andy Isabella, and he and he got twenty twenty fab dollars from Stover out of it. So probably not that bad of a trade. Honestly, this is a shockingly even trade. You know, I I, I when I saw PRB was involved in a trade and it was with Stover, I was like, well, how how would that work? Because I don't think Stover would get you know PRB trade machined. So, but PRB obviously. You know, he's he's coming down to earth with his trade offers, you know, and I, you know, I, I was talking to PRB as well about a couple potential options uh, and he was very reasonable. So, you know, I think I think PRB is is really taking on a new light here in terms of his trade outlooks this year. 
Yeah, so, I mean, at this point, uh, we can jump over to Stover's team and try and figure out why he felt the need to unload, uh, you know, the 20 Fab and Andy Isabella for James White. And, um, you know, he has Miles Sanders, who's a little bit banged up going into the season. And outside of that, without James White, he's looking at Naheem Hines, uh, Hmm. boy, Latavius Murray, and DeAndre Swift, who's also hurt. So I can see why he felt the need to pull the trigger on a running back before Fab for twenty for twenty million. Yeah, see, I don't. I, PRB really didn't need him, uh, so I think that this was definitely uh, much more crucial to Stover's outlook and his his squad. He really needed to make this move, and uh, you know, credit him. He he got in there and, and and beat the the week one opening kickoff, and you know, bolsters his lineup a bit here. Uh, looking at his his lineup as a whole, he's of course he has Labom Jackson again for a second year in a row. He didn't even want him, but got a pretty good value. I think I think it was around fourteen million. Cheaper um, than Mahomes. Cheaper than Mahomes by by a considerable margin too. Um, and then he's got you know pretty. He loves his tight ends. He gets Kelsey for a second year in a row uh, as well. Um, you know, overall a team that I, I wouldn't put as like a glaring favorite in my estimation, but you know, a typical Stover, pretty strong squad, I think. Yeah. The way it's currently built, it looks middle of the pack, but, um, you know, he's already obviously active making trades. So he's going to, he's going to plug some holes and, and put some band-aids on, uh, on what he might not love about his draft. Correct. So he'll, you know, ultimately he'll probably be right there at the, in the thick of it, uh, end of the year as he typically is. So. Uh, you know, kudos on, you know, you know, a typically pretty good draft there, Silver. So now I have some some commentary from you uh, about two thirds <laughs> of the way through the draft that I'm going to play here now. All right, Jay. We're yes. about two thirds through the draft right now. OK, what do you think of your draft? Brentley, uh, I got to be honest with you. I absolutely am enamored with my draft. I had every guy that is on my board right now, I had on my big board, except for A-Rodge, who I didn't love going into the draft, but I thought he would go for like eight. So at four or five, I absolutely love him. I'm calling out an easy playoff berth. Easy. Could be a chip. This We could be looking at a chip board right now. So there we have it, Jay. Uh, hmm. You, you I are, was feeling myself. You were, you were feeling yourself. You were talking about championships, just two thirds through your draft. So, I'll let you. I'll let you take the take the uh, mic here, and and I'll let you talk about your draft. Well, Brent, to be honest with you, uh, you know, time has not made me love my draft any less. Now, CBS is not high right now. I do not like my projections this week. You know, unlike most people in the fantasy league. I kind of like to look at projections, uh, and I'm not liking where they have me have me slated. But I do have a number of bad matchups this weekend, um, so you know I'm not going to be deterred too much by that. Yeah, you know I, I executed on every everything I, I really wanted to do, everything that I had planned on going in, just like last year. Um, you know I I came through and and delivered. The one thing I, I would like to maybe take back is the Aaron Rodgers. Uh, bid, you know, I my strategy this year was to not bid on a single player I wanted, like not call out a single player I wanted. And Rodgers, I just called out, you know, a three and a, three and a hook. 
And I believe somebody went to four and I just did a hook on four and that was going to be that. And then I ended up getting him at four or five. So not too crazy about that. My plan going into the draft was Stafford at like two and a half and Baker Mayfield at a hook as my backup. So not real, not real happy about, about the Rogers thing. But other than that, you know, I'm a little light at wide receiver. You know, my depth overall is not great to be honest with you. But my my three headed running back monster, I think, is going to be strong this year. Uh, speaking of what Russell did, I, I had a three headed running back system in mind, but I, I think my receivers are definitely much stronger uh, than Russ's. No doubt. No doubt there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't love Rodgers this year either. And I think <laughs> you've kind of set yourself up for a, a who do I start at quarterback situation, which is kind of how you ended last year, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, you know, that could, you know, that could really cause some angst as you move through the season, unless one really, really emerges from the other one. But I I think right now you're already looking at like pretty similar projections for the week. And uh, I think it's going to be something similar to that for uh, for most of the year. So good luck making the right call there. But like you said, pretty strong overall from top to bottom. I I like those three running backs um, and those receivers. I think you'll uh, you'll be a, a pretty strong contender this year. But, um, you know, only time will tell. It's just coming out of the draft. So I think that Joey Baggs going into the draft um, with some pressure on his shoulders that we talked about. Uh, top to bottom, I, I, like, I, like how, I like what his squad's looking like. Not, not in love with Todd Gurley as his, as his RB2, but we'll see. Time will tell on that one. Um, and, and, you know, the, the CEH, which everybody was infatuated with this guy, I think he went so much higher than I think anyone was expecting. Agreed. Agreed. And that, and that was 27 and a hook. Correct. Which was, uh, way high, way higher than I was expecting. Um, so, you know, we'll see if that, if that pans out. Not in love with carry on Johnson either. Uh, maybe he hasn't fully set his lineup. I'm checking out his bench here. Currently, decent depth. Um, you know, I like Ertz. Edelman, I'm not crazy about. I'm kind of mixed on on Bags' draft, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, he has some he has some interesting picks going on here with like Julian Edelman as a starting receiver. Uh, I think he's hoping for maybe C.D. Lamb to step into that role, or even John Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely invested um, in that uh, in that backfield in. Um, in New England with that Damian Harris pick. And I know he went into the draft saying he wanted to know parts of it. And then he dove back into it with Damian Harris. I think he's hoping that he turns into something, but he is now on IR. So he'll have an open spot for that. So, I mean, between Dak, who was, I think, a QB two last year. Um, yes. He, he was, he'll, he'll be looking for Dak to carry his team with like 30, 40 point weeks and then get some, some comp- contributions, but he's definitely going to need, Clyde Edwards Hilaire to be every bit of maximum bell cow this year. Agreed. I mean, he's going to have to be, I mean, for that value and that reach, I mean, he's got to be, I would, I'd say he's got to be like top five or top six. Yeah. That's, that's, that's going to be a, a, something to watch as we move through the year, whether that, uh, whether that pays dividends or not in this um, pivotal year for Joey Baggs. I agree. This is a pivotal year. Uh, Brent, speaking of reaches, who's, uh, whose roster did you want to look at next? Well, what a segue into <laughs> Kamish Booby's draft. Now, you know, one thing I noticed about 
Booty's draft the last two years. I feel like he's been very, very on his caught on his heels in like the first hour of the draft, and then finds him in a finds himself in a position of desperation, where he feels like I need to bid on this guy now because there's no one left in that category, and then he ends up like paying more for a player that he uh, he probably didn't want as much, but felt desperate for, and I think that happened again this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking through, I'm leafing through the roster, uh, and you know he's got some pretty strong looking wide receivers, as is typically the case. Uh, Kamish Booby loves the loves the receivers, um, and you know I I know a lot of people don't like Aaron Jones this year. I actually do like him. Um, you know, time will tell. I mean, if his guy, if his big budgeted guys have big years. I think this is a pretty good squad, but will Aaron Jones live up to that $26 million price tag? Will Kenny Galladay live up to that $25 million price tag? I, I, I don't know. If they do, I think he's looking, looking pretty, pretty good this year. If they don't, if, if we have another, dare I invoke the name, Juju Smith-Schuster-esque season oh, for one of these boy. two guys, oh, it's going to be another long year. Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think there's 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 a pretty decent chance of that. I mean, uh, if there's if there's a running back that was risky to to spend high on, I feel like Aaron Jones would have been in that category. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I, I would probably put Kamara above Jones on my list of guys to avoid at a high tag, but but I could see regression, a case for regression on Jones's behalf. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's going to be an interesting backfield there, and um, I think I feel like he went all in on Gardner Minshew as as his uh, late round quarterback. I don't know if he's planning on playing the wire, but you know he was kind of a sexy sleeper in conversations with the fantasy experts this year. But I don't think they I don't think they were suggesting to go in on on Minshew as like your you know your starter with the only backup on your team being Herbert, who's um, not even getting the starting nod out of the gate. Yeah, that's he's going to have to address that. Uh, if he if he really likes Herbert for maybe mid to end of the season upside, he might want to go ahead. I think Tyrod Taylor is currently on the Fab market, so he might want to go ahead and just scoop him up for insurances as as maybe that second QB to stream if if Minshew's having a bad matchup. Yeah, it's, he's definitely going to have to start working the wire, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I highlighted him in my Show Me Something segment, which led to us making a 100 Stinky Coins bet. How are you feeling about that bet coming out of the draft? I, I mean, I'm a little nervous. As, as obviously, I'm, I always back my guy, the commish. I love him. Uh, shout out if, if you're listening, Booty. I hope you caught episode one because you had not going into the draft. I don't know if anybody knew that but me. Um, so I, you know, I obviously I, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to increase that bet any, Brent. So I, I'm not going to I'm not going to add to that. I'm I'm, I'm feeling like we could just stick that right at hundred dollars <laughs> and stay right there. All right, I'll, I'll I'll let you stay at that number. Um, so from you know from someone that was in the toilet bowl last year to someone that was a contender, and uh, let's swing it over to Derazio's draft, Littlefinger. And uh, you know, once again, I feel like he had a strong draft. I don't love Le'Veon Bell. I'm not a Lev Bell guy, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not really feeling him at the RB two spot. But, uh, you know, he doesn't really have much depth beyond that. Carlos Hyde, Justin Jackson, who uh, 
Justin Jackson was on the Stinky Cast last year, but I don't think he's uh, really going to really, you know, cut it for Steve DeRazio as a, as a fill-in RB this year. I think he I, has some work to do um, in that regard. But um, and if AJ Green can play up to this potential, he's got some devastating receivers with Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, and AJ Green. I, I was just gonna gonna highlight that piece of garbage shit stain AJ Green. Hopefully uh, he ruptures both Achilles on the first snap of the season. Fuck him. But um, I, I really love Deontay Johnson. He was uh, on my, oh man, he was on my board. I wanted him. I kind of, I went a little over on a couple guys. I didn't have enough budget for it. I think Deontay, even if AJ Green doesn't live up to expectations this year, I think he's got a surefire starter week in and week out with Deontay Johnson. So, um, you know, I'm with you. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, I think the arrow's trending downwards on him in a big way. Otherwise, I love his team. Littlefinger does it again. I think he's in the running for paper champ again this year. Uh, a really, really strong draft overall. I loved it. Yeah, I had $2 million max bid when Deontay Johnson was being bid on, and Durazio got him for, I think, two and a half, and I was furious about it, but... What are you going to do? You know, you got to uh, plan better than that if you want those guys. So I can't complain, but nice pick there by Durazio. So, you know, moving on, I think um, speaking of what I was trying to do in the draft, I, I think I can chat a little bit about, about about what I pulled off in my draft. And I'll be honest, you know, I didn't get everyone that was on my board, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm pleased with my draft. You know, I wanted some I wanted Jonathan Taylor to be my number two running back, and I feel like he's he's going to end up developing into my number one, which I'm not thrilled about, but I am thrilled about getting him. Um, I think he, I think he can move into that. My receivers kind of been around the block a bit with Julio Diggs and. Uh, and Keenan Allen, they're not they're not, they're not the big names they once were regarding Diggs and Keenan Allen, but I think they can fill those wide receiver two and flex roles a little bit. And just mainly because George Kittle is basically my wide receiver two, with, um, especially with the tight end scoring this year. I was happy to land a top-tier tight end, and I think I have, I'm happy with my depth there behind, uh, behind those guys too. Yeah, your team is very deep, very solid. No, uh, no weaknesses really in your starting lineup. Uh, and you know, everybody is a little light on the bench. I like Jerry Judy though, put his potential upside on your bench. Um, even, uh, Alan Lazard, I kind of like on your bench as well. So, I mean, yeah, I think you've got, got a pretty deep squad. Um, yeah, RBs maybe a little light at, at that, but you've got, you know, a lot of potential wide receiver. I don't know. You know, you're a great manager. Obviously there's some stuff available on the fab market, um, maybe a potential trade looming out there for you. I think uh, you, you again, as always, do it yet again. Uh, very, very good and solid draft. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm happy with it, but I'm not thrilled with it. So um, I think uh, you know someone else at the draft who had you know I think on paper like a pretty decent looking draft, and that's Schwarz, man. I got to tell you, like Deshaun Watson, Philip Lindsay, Joe Mixon. That's that's um. I think Phil Lindsay's going to end up taking a little bit more of the fantasy points from that backfield that he's sharing with Melvin Gordon and uh, with Chris Godwin. And I think there's honestly a bounce back for Juju Smith-Schuster this year. I mean, last year, Juju was dealing with pretty terrible Pittsburgh quarterbacks. And, you know, let's say Ben is on the field a bit more this year. And, uh, you know, I think Juju could have a nice, strong bounce back this year in Schwartz's lineup. And then he's got Tyler Lockett, you know, so that's... 
that's a pretty that's a pretty decent group of uh, receivers, and uh, he he might not be the strongest at tight end, but he's got some depth going on there, and I think he had a pretty decent draft. He's a major sleeper defense with the Bucks. Been reading how they're going to turn it around, but we'll see about that. I agree. I think uh, this is actually we'll get into our picks later on in the show, but I think the game of the week this week is Stover Schwartz. I think that's the hardest game to pick. Um, and yeah, I, I actually really like what the old fab snake has produced from the draft as well. Um, pretty strong lineup, uh, start to bottom His running backs. Again, like you said, I, I feel like I'm making the same comment with mostly everybody not in love with their running backs, but like you said, three top 10 running backs on Russ's team, maybe three top, whatever, 15 running backs on my team. I mean, there's only so many running backs to go around. So, uh, you know, basically, like, how do you insulate your, your lineup um, with, with a lack of top-tier running backs going, going around there? And I think, uh, yeah, his wide receiver core is strong, tight end, maybe some work to do. Um, overall, though, the Fab Snake delivers. I think, you know, he had a down year last year. I think he, this is going to be a bounce-back campaign for the Fab Snake. Now, someone that I think could be the paper champ, and I think they were, he was getting some buzz as a potential – uh, paper champ board uh, the, the following day is TJ. Um, you know, he drafted pretty strong. I think he's got, you know, a strong starting lineup. He's got strong running backs. He's got decent receivers um, and Russell Wilson at QB. And I think he honestly has an award winner on his bench. I think Preston Williams is going to be the 0.5 bid award winner by the end of the year. I'm going to, I'm going to put that out there right now. It was, it was a nice, Nice little sneaky pick towards the end of the draft by him. And I think he's going to benefit from Preston Williams. I, I think I dapped uh, TJ up like six times on a great value pick. So I, I, too, I was one of those guys who was raving about his board. I really like the values. Uh, lo- yeah, really like his running backs if they can remain healthy. Um, I think actually I was kind of high on T.Y. Hill. And I, I was bidding against TJ for him. I just didn't have the Kashish to go in for him uh, as high as TJ took me up. But I think he stays healthy this year. I think he has a kind of a bounce back campaign. Um, I think TJ Hawkinson is going to be kind of uh, an evolving tight end this year. Uh, You know, he had that one really good game in the first week last year, then got hurt. But this guy, he was like a top six overall pick in the actual uh, NFL draft. I know the, the lions are high on him. And if Stafford can remain healthy this year, I think he has a chance to get in. Let me just use the word penetrate that top 10 uh, tight ends this year. So that's a sneaky good pick too. Uh, yeah, I think TJ's got a playoff squad here. Yeah, I agree. I think he's, uh, he's definitely uh, looking like uh, he's, got, he's got a playoff contender coming out of the draft. We'll see how he can manage it throughout the year. But uh, last but not least, we should probably talk about Frank's draft. Now, wait, Brent, I want to slide one guy in here because I think we skipped over PRB, actually. We touched on PRB a little bit. But we didn't go into depth, so I'll let you, I'll let you go on about him. Okay, I, yeah, I wanted to give my guy, PRB, a shout-out because he had some really good picks. So I just want to highlight them real, real quick. First of all, you know all about Kyler Murray. I think he takes the next uh, evolutionary step to top, maybe top five fantasy quarterback this year. Uh, I loved Josh Jacobs. I was so high on him. He was, I wanted one of the four, he, he, the three guys I got and Jacobs were the four that I needed at least two or three of those guys. 
very high on Terry McLaurin. Uh, I had Devontae Parker last year, who I love. He's got the number one defense. And my value pick of the year, I'm going on on record right now. Uh, I was just looking for him on the bench, but he's already got him in the starting lineup, Antonio Gibson. I think, I don't know what he got him for, three and a half, four, whatever. I wanted him so desperately. He was like my top sleeper of the year this year, and PRB got him. And this guy is going to be an elite running back by season's end. So PRB, I think, definitely I'm looking at a playoff team right here. So I kind of want to slow your roll on Gibson. I like him too. Uh, he's kind of like more of a receiving threat back. I don't think he's going to be a kind of guy that gets like, uh, you know, 20 to 25 carries or not necessarily even 20 to 25 touches. He's going to have to kind of make the most out of uh, kind of a low-touch um you know, volume in a, in a kind of a shitty offense in Washington, to be honest. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how crazy Gibson is, but, you know, and speaking of that offense, you know, I'm, I'm not as high on Terry McLaurin as, as I was, um, you know, last year. And, and I think Preston Williams surpasses Devonte Parker as the, as the go-to guy in the Dolphins receiving core. So, wow. Really? I yeah. I can't say I'm okay. as high on, on his draft as you, but I do like some, okay. some plays he, he made there with like Zach Moss and Brian Edwards and sleepers. He's pretty good with the sleeper style guys. We'll see how they turn it out this year, but I do like Kyler Murray. I do like Jacobs this year. I don't love his tight ends this year with, uh, actually I think he only drafted one and that's, uh, Tyler Higby. So, you know, he's kind of, uh, I think he's kind of on the, on the, the low scale for tight ends. I think he doesn't crack the top 12, top 10, but we you know we'll see about that. But, but Marvin Jones is kind of a sneaky guy. He can, he can put up points and bunches for, uh, for a week and then disappear for another week. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think PRB had a decent draft. I wouldn't go over the moon though. Okay. All right. I got PRB in the playoffs this year. Okay. All right. Book well, it. We'll, we shall but, see. But Brent, speaking of playoffs and, and lack thereof, I think you wanted to touch on, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Shitcoin. We do have a name for Frank, and it's the Raiders of the Lost Shitcoin. The Frankie feedback story. I don't even know if that name fits in CBS. It's a little bit long, but uh, regardless, uh, here we are with Frank and Mahomes again. Uh, you know, year two of that. But um, you know, he's got Fournette. We don't even know that backfield. Like as soon as yeah. Fournette landed on the Buccaneers, it became really murky. Um, they were hyping. They were talking about Ronald Jones, and then all of a sudden they. They signed Fournette, and you know we don't we don't know how they're going to deploy any of those guys that are in that backfield. And I think Shady's still there. They didn't they didn't cut McCoy. He's still there hanging around. So they got these 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 veterans, and then they got the younger Ronald Jones, and and they might just play the hot hand. Could be a nightmare scenario for Frank if that's his number one RB. And you know Mostert is kind of in the same scenario. He was he, yeah he was great last year, and. Uh, you know, Tevin Coleman's not going anywhere, so you know they—that's kind of uh, going to be a little shaky for him. But they do run the ball a lot; volume should be there. But you know, he's got—he's got Nuck Hopkins and not much receivers behind Hopkins. So I don't know. He—he's—he's he's not very strong at running back. He's not very strong at receiver. I don't think he's that strong at tight end with Jared Cook. And, uh, you know, he does have Rob Gronkowski, who, you know, like I said at the draft, he started bidding on him last year uh, around October. So, you know, he got him finally. <laughs> uh, wow, Brent. There's certain guys in this league that I like, I don't like to, to go against or, you know, 
to say that they didn't, you know, have a very good showing or whatnot. Frankie is one of those guys, but I, I just hate this draft. Like I'm looking at some way to compliment this board. And I mean, I just can't find it. Like obviously Mahomes should like average 30 a game. So, okay. You get your 30 a game that you can guarantee week in and week out there. If he stays healthy, of course, but at value for 20, like whatever it was, 19, 20 million. Don't like that at all. And then the rest of the way down the board, like probably the worst running backs in the league. Uh, and no yes. depth at all at wide receiver. I mean, I just don't know what he's going to hang his hat on week in and week out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, this might be the first team I can comfortably say has a decent shot at the toilet bowl, the way it's currently constructed. I, I agree. He's got, Frank's got a lot of work to do on trades, on fab. Uh, and this is I, nothing personal, Frank. Nothing personal, just looking at your draft. Right, right, of course. So, I mean, oh. I don't know. I, I just don't know where we go from here on this on this team. You know, I I know he really wanted Mike Thomas and uh, Patrick Mahomes. He got one of the two. Not quite sure what that running back strategy was, though. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really know how to explain how that panned out. Maybe he just missed out on the guys he wanted. Maybe they went for too much, and he ended up uh, having to be a little bit Mike Booty about it and just desperately reaching for a 16.5 on Fournette. Um, I don't know. I, I, that's the only thing I can imagine that happened there. Oh, very high. Uh, but this is just, you know, what do we know? This is just day after the draft, two days, whatever it is. It, you know, we still have a long way to go, a long season ahead of us. Uh, speaking of long, that was a pretty long segment there. So, Brent, I want to slide in a, a word from one of our sponsors here. And we here at the Stinky Cast are working on a little something new this year. As Stinky Nation knows, we are always welcome to innovation and contributions. Now, Tucci doesn't really bring much on the field, but he has been a strong contributor to the cast. Easily, uh, Brent, I would say one of the top two best callers from a year ago. And this year he had mentioned that he had someone that wanted to sponsor the show. So we're going to let him bring the voiceover to us as well. I'm pretty excited to hear this one. So uh, let's go ahead and roll this sponsor. But make sure you join us after the break, Steaky Nation, because we are going to pick this week's slate of games against each other right after this quick break. Did you somehow luck out and win a fantasy championship? Then spend the whole night partying, drinking, and celebrating because it will never happen again. Oh no, but now you have to wake up the next morning for an early court deposition. Well, never again will you sleep through this noise when you have the Delco alarm clock. At just the cost of a few bags of crank, you can now have Margaret Spross track you down anywhere on Delaware County by dragging you out of bed by your dick. This wake up method is 100% effective and will never fail due to the greatest technology in the world. Not digital, not electronic, not artificial intelligence. I'm talking about the instinctive programming that all chicks have when you don't come home when you're supposed to. So no matter what Folsom street corner you're passed out on, the Delco alarm clock will find you, possibly yell at you, but it will get you to your meeting on time, every time. Welcome back, Steaky Nation. And many thanks to Tucci for locating that sponsor for us. Not bad. Not bad. The Delco alarm clock. I like it. And there's the bar. Rack him. 
If you want to bring a sponsor to us, that's the bar you're going to have to meet for the rest of the year. So take note, Stinky Nation. I love the contribution. Uh, and again, if any of you know anybody, let us know. We, if you're too shy to voice it, just let us know. If you want to voice it, bring your A game like Tooch always does. Well, Brent, let's pull up the sleeves here and get into these picks. Uh, I still have a, an APB out for Mr. Big D, unfortunately. So it's just going to be me and you. But before we do that, I'm getting the alarm here. That's right, Stinky Nation. It's a fab party alert. What do we have, Brent? That's right, Jay. We have a Malcolm Brown all in on the Brown fab party this week. No shirts. Tucci let Malcolm Brown into fab after drafting Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, but not the starter for the Rams. We all know he's got egg on his face. And he wants to get Malcolm Brown. So he will be in attendance at this fad party. I already got the RSVP from him. He's not wearing a shirt. And he's going to be there early. And he's going to be staying late for the Malcolm Brown fad party. Wednesday night, baby. Here we go. Our first one. Oh, oh. yeah. All in on the Brown, baby. Tucci's going to be popping those new abs. Those award-winning abs that beat Russell in the head-to-head -head ab competition which I voted on at the draft. So Tucci's, <laughs> he's, he's going to be ready to just shed that shirt right off the bat. I think, as mentioned previously, Frankie, who has the worst collection of running backs in this league, I think he's got to come in strong with a very long-dicked bid on this one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a perfect opportunity to Frank for Frank to nab a running back starter that he doesn't have on his on his team currently, um, you know, besides Mostert probably. So, yeah, I expect Frank to be there, you know, shirt off and just, you know, flexing his 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 um, his keto diet or whatever the fuck diet he's on now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think he's going to be there just just battling it out with Tucci at this fab party. I agree. If I had to if I had to, you know, select two of the two highest bids it would be those two so let the bidding wars begin i don't know brent what do you have any expectation for the winning bid number man i'm gonna say malcolm brown i'm gonna put it at uh over 80 mil fab bid agreed i honestly it would not surprise me to see a triple digit bid right off the bat oh man a triple digit bell ringer right off the bat i would love to see someone step up to the plate like that can't wait can't so, wait. So speaking of Tucci, before we get into the matchups, I forgot to mention to you that I have a little audio clip from here that I'll play here about maybe a little playoff guarantee right at the end of it. So let's listen in. All right, sir. Tucci, what do you think of your draft tonight? What do I think of my draft? I think I'm never going to have to fucking go to drop ads. My team is has mad depth. I won't have to drop that at all. I won't have to drop that at all. I won't have to drop that at all. So you're good? I think I'm fucking good. Playoff team? Just get me to the bye weeks. Playoff team? Yeah. Guaranteed? There we have it. If you didn't hear it, if you didn't say, if he said it a little bit too timid at the end there, when I asked him about a playoff guarantee, I heard a yes. Did you hear a yes? I heard a yes. So you heard it here first. Tucci is guaranteeing 
a playoff berth this year. Wow. That would be his, what, second one or something like that in 16 years? It would be his second career playoff bid, yes. And uh, I have to imagine just based on that guarantee and this then this lit fab party for Malcolm Brown, there's going to be freaking girls everywhere. Everyone's going to be soaking wet in this party, and Tucci's going to have to go. Wow. I he might even... He might even put in his earrings again for this fab party. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it now. Tucci at the fab party with earrings on. Wow. Shirtless, Tucci, earringed up. Can we get him the pirate hat? Dude, Rich Froning might be at this fab party. It's going to be so fucking lit. Holy shit. Foam. Tucci could be smearing foam on Froning's abs while bidding <laughs> a hundo on Brown. Unbelievable. Be there, man. You're going to have to be there for this fab party. But let's get into the matchups now that we, uh, we got that part out of the way. I'll let you start it off here. And we're going to have to make picks here on these, on these matchups. Let's actually remind everyone the rules here. We're allowed to pick a lock. However, we can only pick one team per lock. So if we pick, you know, say you pick Tucci this week as your lock, you cannot right. pick him the rest of the season. So you want to save just like Survivor. You want to save your big dogs till like you know, later down the stretch. But of course, did you say, did you say dogs or dongs? <laughs> I guess either word would work there, Brent. All right. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so let, let's get into the first one here. And uh, the way it's set up for me, it's going to be me versus Gary. We Gare Bears. This, I'm, you know, I, I'll save comment on that team name for Gary until uh, next week when all the team names come in. But um, so it's me against We Gare Bears. Hmm. This week, and I think it's going to be a tight battle. I think I edge him out. I like some of my matchups a little bit more than his. And uh, he does have a strong roster, man. Gare Bear. Do we even talk about Gary? Uh, you know, I'm looking at his team, and I think we skipped right over Gare Bear. We skipped I mean, Gare Bear. Oh, my did. God. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Gare's Bear, Gare Bear's team now in this uh, in this little segment here. I uh, He's got a strong roster. I don't love Breeze at this age. But, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley, uh, Thielen, and Allen Robinson, I like those guys as his receiving core. Derrick Henry coming back this year after a monster year last year with uh, Kareem Hunt, who I think is going to have sneaky value this year, maybe even more value than, than Chubb. Uh, you know, I'm thinking that that could actually develop into a scenario this year. He did ride the coattails of Austin Hooper um, success last year, even though. Hooper is now in a new team um, who might not have the passing volume that the Falcons did. Not, you know, he might not be as crazy, but he does have Hunter, Hunter Henry, questionable quarterback there. And the Rams D should be pretty solid this year. So I think he's got a pretty solid team all around. I, I agree. I think this is a, I hate Drew Brees this year, as do you, I think. Uh, his bench is, is very sparse right now. Not, not a lot of depth here, but... Um, but in the starting lineup, though, overall, I think he's got a pretty strong team. I think, I think uh, Gary did show us something at the draft, and I think he had back-to-back -back, uh, very strong drafts going, going from last year into this year. I think, um, a, I think he's got a contender team, and I think you know if things fall the right way, Cam Newton might end up being a starting uh, quarterback. I also agree. And honestly, I might be tempted to give Cam a look this week, depending on matchups, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they're playing Miami. So, you know, if, if you're going to pick on go. someone, it's probably them. You know? Meanwhile, so, that, that improved Tampa Bay defense, Breeze gets them this week. So, yeah, you know, I think Gary has a little bit of a quarterback controversy uh, going here. But 
as much as we like Gary's draft, I think we're both leaning in the same direction, Brentley, which is you getting that one and oh start. I think that's where you were going and I concur. I'm not confident to give it a lock, but I'm, uh, I'm confident to make it my pick for the week. I'll say that. I like it. I like it. Okay. I'm going to go with a relatively easy looking one to me. Uh, get this one out of the way. I'm not going to give it the locker because like I said, I like to save my big dongs or dogs, whichever way you want to go <laughs> till later on in the season when I really need them. But I'm looking at King Razio uh, with a top, I'd say two to three draft playing the, the drudge of the fantasy league uh, with his pirated team. Uh, Tucci, I'm going to go with Durazio to get that one, one Oh start this week. Yeah, I mean, I gotta, I gotta go with Durazio in this matchup too. And it, actually, I was, I was pretty tempted to give him my lock this week against Tucci, but I think I got my eye on someone else for the lock. So I'm just gonna go with Durazio as my pick for the winner this week as well. I think we're uh, we're matched up here in the first two. All right, what do you got next? Next matchup, I'm looking at this Bags TJ game, and I think this, Oof. you know, I know you highlighted the Stover Schwarz battle as the uh the game of the week but i think this this bags versus tj game is the uh the game of the week here we're gonna we're gonna i think we're gonna really see what clyde edwards hilaire is made of in this first week and whether whether bags is gonna be a contender or not the way they use him i completely agree this this would be in the running these are the two best games i think and when i say best games i mean these are all all four of those teams you mentioned are good teams uh and i think Man, really tough to pick either one of these games. Um, do you want Do you want me to take it here, or do you want to go first on this one? I'm going to go TJ here. I'm going to I'm going to lean okay. TJ here. I okay. I was thinking you were going bags. I too. I don't think TJ's lineup set. CBS has bags as uh, about a, a ten point favorite. It looks like currently, but I think TJ's got some power coming off his bench still that he's going to insert. Uh, I like his matchups this week. And I like TJ to move to 1-0 and and Bags coming off a really strong draft in a must-win year, I think, to me. He's going to go 0-1, I think. Yeah, I, I'm going to preface this with it's really hard to pick these week one games. It's really, really hard to, to you know, get a grip on what, what, what it's made of, especially without preseason games. I mean, we're mm-hmm. I feel like we're flying blind at this point trying to pick these games. But um, so far, we're, we're in lockstep at, uh, with the first three picks. So... I'll let you move on to the next one. I, I was going to pick the next layup to go first on, but I'll go ahead and take the, uh, the hardest game of the week, in my estimation, the Stover v. Schwarz game. And, wow, I, I don't know which way to go on this one, Brent. Um, you know, I, I think that, man, I'm going to go with Stover. I'm, I'm going to take LeBum Jackson to get the win in week one for Stover. I, I did like that James White move for him. Um, the rest of his lineup, just it looks like he's got some good matchups. Uh, the Patriots defense, uh, they had some issues with guys opting out of the year. But, you know, they're playing that Miami Dolphins offense with presumably, I guess, Fitzmagic in as the starter. I'm not even sure what their situation is looking like right now. I'll, I'm going to go ahead and take Stover. I'm going to go Schwarz here. Okay, I don't think Stover's can argue with it. 
I don't think I think Stover made a little bit of a panic trade to start off, uh, and I think he's I don't think he loves his roster where the way it's constructed to start the season. I don't think it's it's you know it's as strong as he's as he's going to be as the season moves on. And I think this is an opportunity for Schwarz to kind of jump in at one and zero and take Stover down. So I'm I'm actually taking Schwarz in this matchup. Okay, I can't argue with it. Like I said, tough to me, toughest matchup game of the week. It's an absolute coin toss. All right, so we got one different now, but. We're going to move over to the Rusty versus Jay matchup. Now, this uh, this hits home. So this is you against Russ, and uh, you know there was some um, there was some battling poolside. I'm going to play a little clip from the pool, and this was an extremely hungover Jay coming to life with Rusty's prodding him and prodding him. So here we go. I just do push-ups and pull-ups Great, since COVID. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff, man. I'm so happy for you. Russ, I don't think I like your tone. I don't think I like your tone right now. Also, I'm completely refuting the fact that you're going to pay $35 million for that. You're a coward. You're a lying coward that will not, that will not pay $35 million for Bay. You know what? I'm getting energy now all of a sudden. What just happened? This is what I wanted. What just happened? He just spilled his drink again. That's like his third drink that he spilled. There you go, Jay. It was hmm. like, it was like the, the dark night rises from the ashes Love after that. getting, after getting knocked around too much at the pool by a, a wasted Russ, and and we just saw you come to life there and call him, uh, you know, a few names. Yeah, I was absolutely uh, fucked up at the poolside, uh, and basically all day from when I woke up at Booties, um, I was really I was questioning if I was even going to be able to perform the draft uh, or drink at all at the draft, uh, and then after you know so much needling from Russell, Russell. Uh, I, he, Rustle, Rusty, Russell, Rustle. Rustle. I'm going to call him Rustle from now on. That's my new name. I just have created a new nickname, Rustle. Um, from some needling from Rustle, he brought me to life. Um, and I was actually kind of goading him in to that 35 mil bid because, truth be told, I love Bay, but 35, 33, 34 was just too steep for me. So I had really went into the draft you know, anticipating not getting him. But if the, if the bid was going to top out around 32, I would have had to go in on him and readjust my whole strategy. So I was kind of daring him into doing it, and he did it for me. It's a little Muhammad Ali move there with the, uh, you know, the rope-a-dope, I guess, you were doing to him. Exactly. And now we're, you know, inexplicably, we're naming each other. We're playing each other in week one. Um, and, and you're going against Bay. Exactly. Exactly. And, Brent, if anybody knows anything about me, I am the least chesty person there is. I have no faith in myself whatsoever. So I'm not only picking Russ, Rustle, who is a complete butt smear, as my good friend Mr. Big D would say, in, in the worst fantasy performer there is in this league over the last five years. So I'm going to go ahead and get this heinous piece of ass out of my lock pick early on, and I'm going to throw a locker on him to beat me in week one. You heard it here first. Wow, you're going with the reverse jinx, and you're putting a lock on Russ. Correct. Well, you know what? It's hard to it's hard to pick this matchup, I'll say, right off the bat, because I feel like Russ is going to have to go really hard at the first fab 
week and and really bolster his roster. So I'm not sure what we're looking at is his is his starting roster because I think even though he's docked money and he's down money, I think he's just going to throw caution to the wind and just pick as many players as he can up to flush out this roster because he knows how bad it is and he's going to and he's going to address it week 1 now that he's not wasted. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got some good matchups, though. I think Bay has a, a, a pretty healthy matchup there. I think he could go absolutely berserk in that game. Um, you know, Saquon's got a tough matchup, thankfully for me, but he's going to have, have plenty of opportunities. And then Kamara's got a pretty tough matchup, too. So he's got his fair share of difficult matchups. Um, not in love with a number of my matchups, uh, specifically at the quarterback spot. But, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see, what, we'll see if my mojo can put Russ down and, and buoy me to the 1-0 start, I'll take it. You know, if I lose a locker pick head-to-head, I'll take it if that means I'm 1-0. All right, well, I'm taking you here. So that could be a potential big swing to start the season because you have your lock hinged on Rusty <laughs> Rustle, and uh, I'm taking you on this one. Okay. All right, so that would leave us with Frankie Feedback Little Coins versus Mr. Reigning Champion Spross. Yeah, this is a pretty easy call, Brent. I don't know if you want me to take it first. I think we're probably both heading in the same direction, so there's not much need to talk about it in, yep, in much I'm depth. Take, Spross. I can, you know, stop right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking yeah. Spross. I yeah. got Spross. Okay. Enough said. Right. Frank, good luck at the fab party. Uh, hopefully you can jump on the all-in for Brown train and, and enhance your, your chances of winning this week. But, uh, Brent, I think we did actually miss one game here. I, I can't believe no, you, did. of all people, would miss it. No, we did. Um, we did. We did miss it because you know <laughs> I have uh, I have yet to use my lock. As Correct. You know, so I was saving. I was saving that for the end here. Yeah, I think I smell where that lock's going. Yep, I'm gonna have to put my locker on PRB over Kamish Booby to start this all off. I feel like that's kind of Groundhog's Day from last year. I think I might have done that last year, and it, you know I think it prompted a whole season's worth of uh, feedback calls from. Uh, from the commission directed at me, uh, anger, you know, you know, upsetness, all kinds of different emotions were directed at me after I did something like this. So we'll see, we'll see how, uh, how he handles it this year, but I'm putting my lock on PRB to start this off. I hear you. Um, now Brent, I'm going to just go ahead and take a quick pause here. So cue the, like the feedback, uh, like static that can cover up what I say here next for the next like 20 seconds. Uh-huh. Obviously, I'm not putting a lock on PRB, but I am taking PRB in this matchup. And the commish will not be too pleased to hear me picking against him on the first week. So cue up the post-production static, but just write down my pick of PRB. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's pretty easy to agree with him there. It would have to be a pretty big upset for, for Booty to pull out uh, a win with um, what he's putting out here week one. I think he's even starting a kicker week one, which is... I mean, since we since we made kickers pretty expendable in this league, has anyone come out week one firing with a kicker? I don't think so. Not week one. Uh, maybe you know bye weeks or various points throughout the year, but um, yeah, week one he's that 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 says something. That that makes a definite comment. But I can't blame him. I don't really see anyone on his bench worth putting in over a kicker. Yeah, I would probably ride with the kicker in this this specific matchup. Whew. Well, you know, good luck, good luck, Kamish Booby, in this matchup because um, honestly, I hope I hope PRB brings home my locker for me. 
Well, we'll see. You know, Brent, uh, I'm hoping that my lock loses this week, but that's just the way I do things because, again, I have no confidence. But, Brent, what a draft it was. What a show. And hopefully what a week one we have in store for us. I, for one, am pumped to get football and sports in normal venues back. And I am reluctantly hoping for a good week one start, as I'm hoping for all of you out there in Stinky Nation. Best of luck and well wishes to everyone in week one of their matchups, except for Mr. Little D, Rusty Nelson. Rustle Nelson. No, <laughs> no good luck for you. Uh, and make sure all of you are ready to hang your dongs out there in the fab party tonight because I, for one, am going big in the fab market. I'll see you all there. Shirts will be mandatory, mandatorily off, that is. We are going to get drenched, drenched tonight. So let's hear it for the boys. But as always, keep those buttholes marginally tight, and we will see you next week here on the one and only Stinky Cast. Until then, good, good night, night. Cause